Welcome to Rusk Insights on Rehabilitation Medicine, a top podcast featuring interviews with thought leaders in the field of PM and R from Rusk Rehabilitation at NYU Langone Medical Center and other prominent rehab medicine institutions. Your host for these interviews is Dr. Tom Elwood. He will take you behind the scenes to look at what is transpiring in the exciting world of rehabilitation research and clinical services through the eyes of those involved in making dynamic breakthroughs in healthcare. So listen, learn, and enjoy. Hello, and welcome to another episode in the Rusk Rehabilitation Podcast Series. Today's interview is one of many that will make it possible to learn about developments in the field of rehabilitation aimed at improving the lives of patients. I am honored to have as today's guest, Dr. Estelle Gallo, who is a clinical specialist at the Rusk Rehabilitation NYU Langone Ambulatory Care Center. Dr. Gallo, thank you for being here today. Thank you. You're most welcome. Dr. Gallo is a certified clinical specialist in neurology from the American Board of Physical Therapy Specialties, who specializes in adult neurological rehabilitation. She serves as a faculty member of the accredited Physical Therapy Neurology Residency Program and holds a faculty position as a research assistant professor in the Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation Department at NYU School of Medicine. She has received internal funding for her research. Dr. Gallo has published her work in several peer-reviewed journals and presented at both national and international conferences. Currently, she's conducting a feasibility and safety study on high-level mobility training in patients with non-progressive acquired central neurological injuries. She also serves as a member of the Locomotor Training Clinical Practice Guidelines Knowledge Translation Task Force for the Academy of Neurologic Physical Therapy. She received her doctorate degree from New York University. A day and one half course at Rusk will be conducted on October 20 and 21, 2018, to highlight some of the latest evidence in complex TBI rehabilitation and to introduce participants to unique rehabilitation approaches used at Rusk. Please tell our listeners about this program and as a content planner for that event about the presentation that you'll be making on the afternoon of October 20th on the topic of mobilizing the patient with complex TBI. So the talk regarding physical therapy will be uh, split with my co-worker, uh, Alicia Sposito, who will be uh, talking more about neuroplasticity and really what it means for physical therapists and how do we foster neuroplasticity and functional uh, recovery for our patient, the concrete uh, application of those concepts. And me, as a way to illustrate, I will be talking about high-level mobility training and return to running for this patient population, which is a good way to illustrate some of the current concepts regarding neurological rehabilitation. The ability to run a short distance is a strong predictor of returning to work for young stroke survivors. They may be overlooked, however, in the rehabilitation course of those with acquired brain injury. For example, individuals may be discharged without having the chance to attempt retraining them. Is this situation common, and if so, what might be done to improve it? 
Well, is this situation common? It would be uh, hard for me to answer. It's not like I have hardcore evidence to tell you that this is not uh, happening. But I can tell you that commonly and in the literature, neurological rehabilitation is mostly focused on locomotor training. You'll find a lot of literature on uh, locomotor training, not so much emphasis on return to running. But I do think that especially regarding the TBI population and probably because they tend to be a younger population, there is definitely a building body of evidence pushing for return to running in this patient population. And I do think that what can be done about it to improve it is having, you know, I've done a presentation on this topic a few years ago at a national conference and by talking about it during this course to bring the attention not just on locomotion, which is important, but also return to running and what could be some of the implication even toward locomotor training. How much evidence is there currently to enable clinicians like yourself to make recommendations about the examination and intervention for high-level mobility and to facilitate such a return to running? Well, there's a a fair, you know, it could be better, but there's a fair level of evidence, maybe a little bit on the weaker side. It's some court, some case studies that can really, and some expert opinion as well, that can really guide us. And recently, there was even a systematic review that went through the whole literature on this topic that really highlighted that actually such activity can be safe and uh, feasible. Now regarding the examination and uh, intervention, you know, we can use that literature to help us guide some of the recommendation that we have. And regarding high-level mobility, please describe any of these examination techniques and the outcome measures that you use. Sure. So some of the examination techniques and outcome measures that we use, the main one, which is a strong predictor to be able to go back to running, will just be looking at the gait speed. And one of the standardized outcome measures that's highly recommended to look at gait speed is the 10-meter walk test. And we know that if somebody reached this gait speed of one meter per second, they're very high odds ratio to go back to, they have a very high uh, odds ratio to go back to running. Another outcome measure that we'll do that's also highly recommended specifically for the traumatic brain injury population is the HIMAT. And what's interesting about the HIMAT is pushes clinicians to look at other activities and skills than walking. In that test, you have patients walking backwards, you have patients walking on toes, you have patients walking over on obstacles, you have patients going up and down the stairs, either way using a handrail or without using the handrail. And then you start going into other activities that are more like higher impact activities, seeing if your patient can do bounding, if your patient can do some skipping, hopping, and running. So it forces you to look past just regular locomotion. What role do predisposing elements are involved in in something of this nature? For example, you might have two groups of patients. One would be those who are quite active physically in every aspect of their lives, and then they end up having a brain injury. And then there's another group that pretty much have spent most of their lives sedentary and they never really were all that physically involved in doing anything. Does that make a difference at all in terms of when they finally arrive and now they need treatment and and some type of intervention? So, yes, you know, one thing that I haven't mentioned yet, but ultimately what really drives our intervention and what we do with our patients really our patients' goals. So I would never, you know, I would be a little bit a hard sell to push someone to say, hey, I'm going to try to get you back to running if that person has no desire to go back to running. 
So patient goals and what they want out of physical therapy is really what drives what we're doing. So if ultimately somebody will tell me that, you know, like I was never a runner and you're not going to get me to run, you'll be lucky if you can get me to walk a little bit. And in addition, I'm not a fast walker, so I'm not going to force that. So really what drives what we do with our patient is really our patient goals. Well, thank you for providing that subjective viewpoint from the standpoint of patients. What objective criteria do you use to guide the initiation of high-level mobility training? So I would go back again to walking speed. If, again, somebody is able to reach this one meter per second walking speed, we can pretty be confident to start initiating the training. And another skill that we can look at that's a strong predictor of being able to go back to running is the ability to be able to jump from one leg to the other leg, like doing a bound. And especially if you can jump from your weaker leg onto your stronger leg, that's a very strong predictor that somebody should be able to go back to running. Those are the strongest, two strongest skills and criteria to guide the initiation of such training. Have there been any recent developments in clinical practice guidelines on outcome measures for the neurologic population? And if so, please describe them. Uh, yes, actually, we're very uh, fortunate that the Academy of Neurologic Physical Therapy has uh, started to publish some guidelines and published one guidelines actually on outcome measures recommendation for the neurologic population. And the one that they are highly recommended is the 10-meter walk test to really look at somebody's walking speed. Another one that they recommend to look at people's endurance and ability to walk longer distances is the six-minute walk test where you time somebody walking for six minutes and how far can they walk in uh, six minutes. Then they also have some uh, recommendations for balance. And for balance, they recommend either with the Berg, where it's more like static type of activities where there is minimal walking. It's mostly standing, turning, and such a type of activities. And then you have the functional gait assessment, where it's more looking at somebody's balance, but doing dynamic activities, more like involving walking activities. Another outcome that's recommended to as a self-perception, it's the ABC scale. It's where somebody rates their level of confidence performing different type of activities during their day-to-day life. So it's really the patient's perspective. Then another one, uh, but they don't have an outcome measures, but it's going back to patient goals. They really stress the importance that we do need to capture our patient goals. What do they want to achieve? What do they want from physical therapy? However, at this time, we don't really have an objective outcome measures to really capture a patient's goals besides the subjective, you know, recording of their goal for uh, physical therapy. But they're really trying to encourage all physical therapists who are treating this neurologic population to really use those standardized outcome measures that have been very well studied, that are valid and reliable and will help us capture our patients where they are and capture their progress as they're moving along through physical therapy. Are there any upcoming recommendations to be made about locomotor training? And if so, please inform our listeners what those would be. Yeah, so that's the other very exciting project coming from the Academy of Neurologic Physical Therapy is those guidelines. However, there's still a work in progress. They're undergoing revision, so they're not officially published, but we're really hoping that maybe something will be coming before the end of the year, and that will be something very exciting for all physical therapists working with this patient population to see what is recommended in the literature and what should we be doing. 
What's research is being done in the physical therapy department to test the feasibility and safety of high-level mobility training? That's exactly what we're trying to do actually right now. As you mentioned, the study that we are conducting at the Ambulatory Care Center, we're really trying to test the feasibility and safety of such high-level mobility training and trying to get a sense also as a secondary you know, outcome of potential efficacy. And this study was designed a little bit before the review was published, kind of confirming the feasibility and uh, safety but at least it will be additional data that we can use and build on. What are some of the key rehabilitation research topics in physical therapy, and what would be some of the emerging areas from your viewpoint? You know, what's interesting regarding research is actually there have been a lot of research happening in the recent years. And what's happening, the big gap that there is, is that actually this research is not translating into the clinic and into practitioners. That's why I think what we see more and more some emerging area, at least I know at NYU, a lot is happening with different center of excellence where we're trying to this concept of knowledge translation, because a lot is law from we know what should be doing, but this is not necessarily happening in the clinic. So we're going to hear a lot about knowledge translation, making sure that we know what we need to do. We capture it from the literature with all those clinical practice guidelines that little by little are being published because there is more and more literature that can guide some of the recommendations and to make sure that those get applied in the clinic. So that's really, truly a strong area that's coming in physical therapy, but really throughout medicine in general. To go back specifically for physical therapy, I think where there still needs to be research to help clinicians to really improve the exercise prescription. What is it that we do with our patients? So more specific research regarding exercise prescription so we can tell clinicians better the type of frequency that's recommended, the type of intensity, the type of activities, exercise that people should be doing and for how long. So I think we might see more research trying to help physicians to better define this fit principle of frequency, intensity, type and time of exercises prescription. As you look ahead in your own career, do you plan on undertaking any studies aimed at improving patient care? And if so, please describe what you have in mind. So for now, what I'm really concentrating my effort on is really to continue to recruit patients for our current study on high-level mobility uh, training. You know, I'm assuming that we'll probably continue to collect data for easily another year or maybe another year uh, and a half. And then also trying to really work on this knowledge translation, making sure that we actually do in the clinic what's recommended by all the body of literature that's out there and telling us what we should be doing and making sure that we actually do it. Excellent. Well, Dr. Gallo, I'm going to conclude this interview by thanking you for sharing your insights with our listeners about your activities at risk involving high-level mobility training of patients. It's been both an honor and a pleasure to have this discussion with you today, and I wish you continued success in all your endeavors. Again, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Thank you again for joining us. You can learn more about Rusk at nyulangone.org slash Rusk. Also, be sure to follow this podcast on Twitter at Rusk Podcast.